Hey y'all, welcome back to the Top Down Podcast. I'm joined once again by Connor, and today we are going to be going over the 2021 games, ones that have already come out, and then the ones that are yet to come, but we are super excited for. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to Connor, and we're going to get things rolling. Yeah, so um, we won't be talking about games that have been like remastered or ported to new consoles this year, because... They're new games, but they're the same games, just a little bit better graphics, maybe a mission two here or there. So it won't be too important to talk about, we don't think. Um, we're also not going to be going over every single game. Uh, I don't have time for that. There's too many <laughs> games coming out that either I don't have an interest in or I don't think are worthy of talking about necessarily. Um, so we're just going to be talking about the ones that we think are going to be bigger releases or the ones that pique our interest. We're going to begin with a little review of games that have already come out this year. So the first game that we're going to talk about is Hitman 3. It came out January 20th. It was released on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X, as well as the Switch and the PC. Um, I believe it was released on the Stadia, but I, the Stadia really isn't a console that a lot of people have, I don't think, at this point in time, so... If there's a game that's released on Stadia and I don't say it, I'm sorry. I didn't really pay attention to it. I just noticed it for this game. <laughs> so, Hitman 3 seems to be another good Hitman game. If you've ever played it, you know it's self-aware of what it is, like the hired hit, the hired Hitman. So, it kind of pokes fun at itself in that way, and it still has that humor. From the things that I've seen, it looks really nice. And it looks like it's improved on previous installments of the game, or that be, you know, a bigger map, more intricate, more things to interact with, or different ways to just kill people in the game. So it looks like it's been good, and I think if you are a fan of the series, you would enjoy it. And if you aren't and never played it, I feel like this would be a good time to jump in it. Uh, this is one of the games that I was interested in getting, so I did a lot of research into, like, reviews i watched a, a couple playthroughs not enough to have the whole story spoiled for me but the one thing the one takeaway is that uh apparently there is a vr version if you have a playstation and it's super buggy so like it, it it's fun if you just want to goof off but apparently it's not good for actually doing missions so if you have a playstation that's like a you can take that for what you will but um yeah go, going along with what connor said really the only quote-unquote bad reviews I was seeing were about the VR portion of the game and I have an Xbox so I'm not quite sure how that's integrated but yeah the pretty much everything I've seen is that it, it's it's just like one and two it's still very good and yeah the one person I've seen play it like for more than maybe two minutes was he usually goofs off in games but he seemed like he was goofing off his normal and he was having fun so it's probably a good game a lot of the qualms that i feel like an, an average joe who's never played the series would have with the game are staples of the hitman series themselves a as an example i the one guy i watched was like how come i can walk up and hit somebody and be shot by two other people and not die and i was like well that's just kind of a part of hitman because if you played a game you know that like yeah there's a stealth aspect but it's also fun sometimes to just go and beat up people because the shooting mechanics and the ai are terrible <laughs> So the one guy I did watch, uh, Donkey, shout out to him. He's funny. I love his videos. But he uh, he had like a 30-second or maybe a minute-long thing where he was just making people slip on wet floors and bananas and then hitting <laughs> them with a wet floor sign. 
So, like, there's so many different and cool ways just to goof off, but still complete what you're supposed to be doing. And I think that's the real appeal of Hitman. Yeah, that that's that's Hitman in a nutshell. What is the coolest way I can kill somebody? So, going to the next game is a game, Jacob, I know you seem interested in because it's one of the very few Xbox exclusives. <laughs> that's the medium that came out January 28th. It did come out on Xbox X and S as well as Windows PC. So it's more of a Microsoft exclusive than an Xbox exclusive, but it didn't go to PlayStation. The very few gameplays I've seen and little reviews that I've seen, it seems to be good. It seems to be a very compelling, a very compelling take on games in general. I mean, you play as two sides at the same time. You know, that's happened before, but it's more of a co-op, like in A Way Out, where it's you and a buddy playing together, you know, and they're playing different characters. But this is you're playing two sides of the same story at the same time, and they mimic each other's movements. And the actions of one person affects the other sides and vice versa. And it's just a... To put it simply, it's a puzzle horror game. It's more than that. It's got like some mystery, some intrigue, but very basic definition would be a puzzle or a game. Yeah, uh, this is one that I am. It's on my wish list. I'm probably going to get it once it goes on its first sale, just because I I don't I have other games I'm playing right now. So I don't want to like get it if I can get it for cheaper when I'd actually be ready to play it. Yeah, following like what you said, the coolest thing to me that's like make that make made me entice that enticed me to want to play the game is the the side by side so you pl- uh, it's a journalist and you're a medium like i'm sure that's explained the story but uh so on the I left think that's side explained in the title I, <laughs> i'm just curious why you're a journalist and also a medium like does she just randomly find that out is she a good journalist because she can speak to the dead like that's where my um, is she a journalist i looked up the very few things I looked up was that she was a person who just talked to like spirits and she came to investigate them. Okay. Yeah. I, the, the one that I read said that she was investigating for a piece. And so I took that as like journalism, but I don't know for sure. Cause they didn't use the word journalist. So they could just be investigating for another reason. That would actually probably make more sense. So, I mean, that's a very interesting combo. Like, is she a journalist for a medium magazine, like Death Weekly? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure, so I could be completely wrong. Yeah, uh, that's where the, the cool part comes with the puzzles, because on the left, you're in the real world, and on the right, you're in the demon world. And stuff you move in the real world affects the demon world and vice versa, and so a lot of the puzzles involve you doing both sides, which seems really cool to me. It seems like a cool mechanic. Apparently, from the reviews I've read, it does also work very well. And best thing I've seen reviewed is the antagonist is a character called the Maw, who's like a demon that's chasing you around this whole area. And you can't fight him. You just have to kind of hide from him. And apparently he somehow progresses a story. Like, I'm not 100% positive because I haven't played it. But the reviews on him have said that he's like a top 10 villain of video game history, which is just like whenever people start throwing that around, that normally means that he's probably written very well. So I'm very curious to see how the Maw is just because I really like horror video games. And normally if they have a good villain that like makes it more a a better play. 
I haven't heard the villain thing. I, I've heard that it's like a very good villain, but I I don't know if it's top ten. Of course, I don't know much about it. But if it is, that's great. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm curious to see if it's just because like sometimes when people get really excited, they'll be like, oh, this is like top ten all time without actually thinking about it. So I'm very curious if he really is or not. Yeah, it's either when a game comes out, it's either lower than it is or higher than it is. A lot of people don't put it where it's supposed to be. I feel like. Yes. There's not a lot of objective reasoning when you're when especially with like recency bias. Yes. But moving to a game that just absolutely sucked it up was Werewolf the Apocalypse. (laughs) The name itself just gave it away. When you have a game that's this long, my goodness. Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood. Um, Came out February 4th. It was released on PS4, Xbox One, PS5, Xbox Series X slash S. I watched like maybe 15 minutes of it and was just done with it. I couldn't, no. This was another one that I was intrigued by just because I really like werewolves and I really want a good werewolf game. And apparently people who were also a fan of series wanted a good werewolf game because, so essentially there's a greater lore to this. It um, was like a tabletop game and there's a bunch of different ones from decades ago that are like vampires werewolves mummies like all over the place um and so the vampires uh specifically has been what's been doing the best on modern consoles so they were like why not try it with the werewolf and it just didn't work most of the reviews have been complaining that while the story is like okay people could get past it if the gameplay was good and apparently the the supposedly fun part that you'd want as destroying people as this werewolf is just completely terrible the ai will just like stand there and let you hit them they won't move uh the the you just can kind of kill them in like a hit and then sometimes you can't and it's very inconsistent apparently doesn't flow well it just doesn't feel good and um yeah there's like a stealth part where you're an actual wolf and apparently there's no benefit to doing the stealth. So a lot of people are just like, well, then I'm just going to be the, the full on werewolf and kill people. But then that's not fun. So then you almost like the one guy I watched said, I would rather play as the wolf. That's how bad this gameplay is and just stealth around. So, you know, take that for what you will. Yeah, I think it was just a really big missed opportunity with this game. There's been other games that I wouldn't say have done the same thing, but have like, you know, the transformative type. Even in Skyrim, you turned into a werewolf if you did a certain quest line. And that was kind of cool. But a whole game that is based on being a werewolf and then the combat of being a werewolf isn't good, it's really hard to overcome that. I, I almost forgot. You just reminded me. The biggest letdown of this game and the main reason why I really wanted to get it, why I thought it would be cool, when there was supposedly supposed to be a meter i forget what they were going to call it but essentially when you you had to you had to think and like actually plan out when you would transform into a werewolf because when you would enter this werewolf you would enter like some sort of rage or it would be like a rage meter and if it reached full then you would end up killing your allies as well because you would just go on a rampage and kill everything you wouldn't be able to to discern who was good who was bad so i thought that would be a really cool element for the story 
apparently when it actually released, that meter doesn't even exist. It's like it just didn't make it out of the beta or something, and they just didn't put it in the game. Apparently it happens once in the actual story or like in the in a cutscene, but you don't control that. So I was very disappointed to know the meter didn't make it into the game. Yeah, I mean, if this game had been probably even like half as good as it looked in trailers and, you know, beta gaming and alpha releases, I feel like it would have been good, but it just didn't come out the way that they were talking about it. Agreed. I will say, if it had just been like a hack and slash game, I think it could have been good. You know, just focus on the core aspect of combat in this game, and I think you would raise it a good amount with on a rating scale. Yeah, especially for gamers who don't really care about story and are, and are in it for the combat. Yeah. That will wrap up the games that have already come out. So we'll move on to the games that are coming out. And as of the time of recording this, the first game is King of Seas. And it comes out February 18th. It comes out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. The big thing I'm getting from this game is big Sid Meier's Civilization vibe. Except it's like Pirate Edition. There seems to be some kind of story, but it it looks more like you're a pirate. You know, you go through and do these quests to either upgrade your boat, upgrade your harbor, port, city, whatever it is, and just become better as a pirate. So it kind of gives off that Sid Meier Civilization vibe. It says it's an action role-playing game. So that makes me think, you know, there is combat with ships and that there is a some aspect of either being able to control what's on your ship, the people on your ship, the appearance of your ship, or the same thing, but with the city or harbor or port or whatever it is where you go in away from battle. And it also says that, you know, there's islands, of course, and there's treasures. So it it seems to be a very interesting game. However, I don't know how well it's going to be an actual gameplay. You know, there's thousands of games that come out each year like, oh, that sounds cool. The concept is cool. But then the actual gameplay of it is not good. And this one might be one of those games. Like Werewolf. Concept, cool. Not actually cool. Yes. I don't personally have much to say about this game. Um, I didn't even know that it was a game coming out until we started doing research on what games we are we were going to do for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one thing I did leave out was that on their website, it says multiplayer or multiple difficulties. So it seems to have a increasing difficulty if you obtain a higher bounty in the game. I don't really, I'm not sure what that's like. So I guess if like you go out and kill just a bunch of people, you're going to have a bounty on you and the people are going to attack you more often. The game is going to become more difficult, almost like a, a bounty or a wanted status in GTA or Rockstar. However, it could be like a notoriety thing to where, you know, oh, Blackbeard, you know, had this really big notoriety. Say a lot of people have them. So it could be a beneficial thing rather than a prohibitive thing. So it's just something that has to be seen once the game comes out. Sounds very interesting. It does indeed. Next game that comes out March 26th is a Switch exclusive. 
You do not hear those words that often. But the game <laughs> is Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, if you've ever played a Monster Hunter game, you know what this is, I would assume. But this game was developed alongside Monster Hunter World. So it will most likely have a lot of similarities, including like the seamless map approach to it. However, as the title indicates, there's going to be more of a vertical aspect to it. So, you know, climbing up, uh, say, you know, like, even in Monster Hunter World, you could climb up vines, but this will probably just take that to a whole nother level. So it it seems like it has something new. So even if you've played Monster Hunter or Monster Hunter World or any game in that universe, it will be something new and enjoyable for you. Um, just a little snippet on Monster Hunter in general is that it's single player local and online multiplayer, but you can only have up to four quote-unquote hunters in a group. And in this game, you have a Palico, which is a cat-like creature that can come with you, or a Palamute, Palamute which is a dog-like creature. So that's some, the Palamute is new in this game. And if you're playing a single player, you can have both of them come along with you. But if you're playing with other people, whether it be local or online multiplayer, you can have one or the other. You can't have both. So single player, you can have both. So it seems like you can have a little bit more help. But multiplayer, of course, you don't need that help. You have other people in your group playing with you. To say a little bit more on the Switch, I think it'll probably, you know, decrease the overall sales of it like if it released on ps4 and ps5 xbox one and the new xbox and playstation or pc it would probably have more sales but i think this will still be a good game and it might cause you know some hardcore fans of the monster hunter series to get a switch i think this will be something to kind of keep an eye on as the release date gets closer i am unfortunately a person who got a switch a few months ago, there was a deal going on, and I couldn't get a Series X, so I was like, hmm, maybe I should <laughs> fill the void with a Switch. And while it's not a bad console per se, a lot of the Switch games really just are updated versions of stuff that you had anywhere from the DS to the Wii U. And I personally don't really like the Switch mechanics playing by myself now. Playing with friends, it's perfectly fine, but it's a Nintendo console, so I feel like, in general, it's made to be played with friends and family. So, I haven't played my Switch in months since I got it. Monster Hunter Rise is probably not going to make me want to play my Switch at this point, even though I do like the Monster Hunter franchise. I kind of, more or less, just wish it was coming out on, the, on other consoles. So, yeah, that, sorry for the random Switch diatribe, folks listening, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's my thoughts on, this, on the state of the Switch. Yeah, I think that's a whole nother podcast conversation. I mean, just the various consoles that have come out and stuff like that. So, maybe one day. Staying on the same day, actually. Again, March 26th. A game I think that might be something that we should play together, Jacob. And it comes out on PlayStation 4. Xbox One, Xbox One S, Series X, whatever that Xbox, the fridge. It comes out on the fridge, and it's coming on the Wi-Fi router, too. 
and it's also coming on PC, and that is It Takes Two. And it is a co-op platform adventure game. It's like a couch co-op type thing, but you play as this couple, Cody and May, and they are two humans that have been turned into dolls by a magic spell and trapped in a fantasy world. So if you've ever heard of or played A Way Out, which was the prison escape game that was co-op, this is the same deal. It's made by the same people, but it's just a different concept. I really like A Way Out. Yeah, so this also includes the Friends Pass. Um, I don't know if it was called the same thing in A Way Out or not, but basically only one person has to own the game in order to play it. So say I buy it. Jacob doesn't have to buy it. I can just start a game, invite Jacob to it, and then we can play together. That's cool. That's saving some people bucks. However, they still have to have either PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, or whatever, you know, to play together online. Because when you are playing away from each other, you have to be online, but there is a couch co-op mode. With that saying, it's also cross-gen, but it's not cross-platform. So PlayStation 4 can play with PlayStation 5. However, a PlayStation 4 cannot play with an Xbox person either generation. But same thing. Xbox people can play no matter the generation, but they cannot cross and play with a PlayStation person. So if we did it, you would have to do it on your Xbox? Yes. Okay. Going back to the Friends Pass thing, Player One, who is the owner of the game, hosts the game, and they can choose to either start a new game or continue from the previous session's save or choose from another chapter where Player One has unlocked. So, from my understanding, is that you have like a basic save file, and then you can either choose to say, I want to continue, and it could be with the same person or a different person or whatever, or you can choose to start over or whatnot. So it's really based on the, the owner of the game's save files, since they're the one that owns the game. Okay. So player two can only join once player one has started a game and then invited and whatnot. Sounds very cool. I like the premise. It's it seemed to be funny, entertaining, and it looked like it had some cool little gameplay features that I haven't seen before that are that could be in other, you know, platforming games, but me personally I haven't seen. Um I don't know if you've ever heard of a game called Unravel, but that's what it sounds like to me. Um, the first one was solo, but the second one is a co-op where you get a second little doll buddy. And it's just a platformer where y'all are stuck together, so you kind of have to work together to traverse the terrain. Yeah, I think it is uh, kind of like that, where you have to work together type thing. It's not, you know, you go do this thing, and I'll go do this thing, and we'll meet back. It's like you have to work in... Uh, as a cohesive unit to maybe do just one thing. I'm definitely intrigued. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next game is a game that seemed to just like peak my like building interest and like tycoon interest. And that is evil genius Two: world domination. Um, this game only comes out on PC. However, 
it is a two-point hospital type thing. Like, you know, you have certain rooms and you just basically try to be the best evil genius you can be. You can create your own lair that has these various rooms, you know, instead of two-point hospital where you're making things to cure diseases, this is to do evil in the world or just, you know, decorative stuff. But there are basically four characters you can play as, and I'm assuming each one has their own special ability, and they may have advantages, disadvantages as well. And it looks like you can, you know, build in various parts of the world, so they may have various aspects, you know, say like in a certain part of the world, you may have more access to a certain resource or not. I'm not sure, because I don't know that much about the game. However, there is, you can also recruit people in the game. So I'm assuming these people will be people who help out in certain aspects. You know, like there might be a guy who helps your evil gigantic laser to destroy the moon work 20% faster. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> and it, it looks like there's also a uh, development tree, so you might have to unlock rooms, unlock abilities or other parts of the world or something like that. So it looks like it's a pretty in-depth game and it looks like it could be fun. So yeah, it might be something just to like kind of try out if it ever goes on sale or if you're just really into that type of stuff, like the strategy simulation building type thing, you can check it out and get it. And again, that comes out on March 30th. That sounds like a very cool game. I sadly will probably never get it until I, PC gaming, but I, it sounds very interesting. Yeah, um, I feel I can't remember if this is actually made by the same people who make Two Point Hospital, but it looks like it's made by a person who has other games. So it, they may have another game that you like, and at some point they may do a bundle. Again, that's you know just very just talk. There's no facts behind that at all. So maybe sometime in the future might save a little bit of money. Do you have anything to say, Jacob? I do not. <laughs> None right. that has already been said. <laughs> then we'll move on to the next game. And this is a game that I think can be good. However, it looks like it has the tendency to flop. And the first thing that comes to mind when I saw this game was the release date. And it comes out on April 1st comes out on april fool's day <laughs> and that is outriders and it comes on the last gen consoles as well as the new gen consoles as well as P- pc and this is an action rpg looter shooter you know it's a warframe it's a destiny type of game and it will be cross-gen and cross-platform so anyone and everyone can play together you know, the person who has the Xbox Series X can play with the guy on PS4, can play with the guy on the PC, can play with the PS5. You know, it doesn't matter what you're playing on, you can play with people from any platform. And the big thing that I saw in this game was there are no microtransactions. Ooh. For a game that looks like it's built on grinding 
on, you know, various cosmetics or operators or guns or whatnot, to have no microtransactions, I think is big. Because it's basically saying this game is going to be, you know, you're going to be able to level up, get the stuff, and you might have to grind for it, but it's not going to be so absurd that you have to spend money. I like it. So I think it has the potential to be good, but another issue that I had with it is that it's also one of those games that have delayed. And the delaying game isn't always bad. However, a lot of other games that have been delayed like this have been delayed because they aren't trying to get it to a polished state. They're trying to get it to a playable state. So I think once when they had the initial release date, they're like, yeah, we can do that. And they're coming around to the release date and like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We cannot put this out. This is like bug to hell. So we, let's push it back. Let's fix some of the bugs. And even then, I don't think they're going to be able to fix the problems that they have. I don't know if that's the case, but that is how I'm feeling about this game. Um, Cyberpunk is a good example of a recent game. Um, I think like Anthem, Avengers as well, were probably games like that. So I'm a little wary of it, but I do think it can be a good game. I would just see. I would watch people before I play. I buy this game. Watch people play it. Look at reviews before you buy the game, and then make your decision from there. Um, I wouldn't pre-order this game or anything like that. I have seen this as one of the top upcoming games on the Xbox store for what feels like months. And I really never looked into it. Um, so it is interesting to kind of learn what it's supposed to be about. Most intriguing thing to me is the, the no microtransactions. And I'm curious to know how long that will last. Cause like I I've seen some games where, you know, the first couple months they do the no microtransactions, then I don't know if it's that they cave or if it's that their bosses were like, hey, you got to do it now. And I'd be curious to know if they end up getting some sort of it's a loot box system with, with some like RNG going on or <laughs> if they if they outright just say, hey, you, you, you're bored of grinding this here. You can you can pay for it. So that, that that would be interesting to see. But, yeah, I would agree with you. This will probably be something that I watch people play before I consider getting it. I don't know how they would think about it, but I feel like this might be a game that is, you know, later on in its life or its shelf life. It might put in some microtransactions like help new players get in and not feel so bogged down, like so far behind people. So they would put in like, you know, a premium currency to help you speed along a little bit. I could see that happening down the road. But hopes that that doesn't happen and they keep the word on the no microtransactions throughout the whole game. Yeah. The next game is a game that, for some reason, Jacob is excited about for the first time in his life. And that's MLB <laughs> The Show 22. Why don't you tell him why you're excited about this, Jacob? Because... For the first year of its whole existence, it's not a PS, it's not a PlayStation exclusive. It's going to be out on Xbox, which means for once I am allowed to enjoy baseball. Um, I know technically we can play RBI, but 
it's just not the same. Like if you like arcadey stuff, cool. But if, if you really want the, the, the truest baseball experience, you have to play the show. And finally, I don't have to spend another year just watching YouTubers do it. Um, I know I've mentioned that I'm really into sports, but it's primarily basketball and football. I, I always watch the World Series and some playoff games and stuff, and my mom's really into baseball, so I'll watch stuff with her. But I've never really like fully engulfed myself into the world of baseball, and I've always really wanted to. And I feel like the video game will allow me to kind of take that next step, you know, really learn players, really learn how the teams work and the, the sport itself. Because like I, I obviously know general rules that everybody knows, but like the there's that stuff that you really don't know unless you are, are into the sport itself. So... Um, I more or less am looking forward to this because I'm actually going to get to learn baseball. But also, for years, everybody has said that MLB The Show is the best of the big four sports games. And I'm very curious to to see if it really is. Um, it, it looks like they're adding a bunch of new mechanics this year. I can't talk about any of that, really, because I haven't played the old games. But the, the, the YouTubers I've watched are super excited about it, and, and I am too. And I'm sorry, it is not MLB The Show 2022. It is MLB The Show 21. It's the one game that actually makes sense with its release dates. It releases <laughs> in the same year that it does. <laughs> yeah, that, you can just thank uh, baseball for that. All, all the other sports t- take kind of cross over in the new year. Yeah, I mean, I think every sports game releases like maybe a month or so before it starts. Or maybe like right as it's starting. But it's like a month where it's either right before, as it starts, or right after. So, yeah, football and basketball are kind of, you know, we can call it 21, but it won't be relevant in half a year. Or we can call it 22, and it'll be relevant half a year in. Yeah. So, I think this will be a good step for MLB The Show. I think it's been kind of stagnant the past couple years. Um, not that it's been bad. It's just, you know, a lot of yearly release games do kind of tend to release the same thing over and over again. Um, very evident of sports games. So this could be a new thing, you know, new player base coming in. It could really ramp up the revenue and then the production of these games. I will say that I forgot to mention the other thing that has me super excited is MLB The Show, by becoming the first sports game to be cross-platform, it will create a precedent. And if it goes well, that means that the other sports games will also essentially have to do it. Um, with a bunch of the major AAA games becoming cross-platform in the past couple of years, I've been beckoning for them to make 2k and madden cross-platform because obviously i've mentioned i play xbox and every one of my friends friends has a playstation and i'd love to be able to play sports games with them but i can't um and if the the big qualm that i've seen as to why they've been like we can't do it is um for each specific games version where you create your own like fantasy team they all have different names um there's a market involved and they're worried about putting the two markets together because normally there's different prices and general economics put into each system's market. And so MLB the show will have one market for diamond dynasty. And um, I I personally feel like it'll still go fine, but if the game is a success and I'm assuming it will have more people buy it than at least last year because you're getting a whole bunch of Xbox people that are going to buy it. I would hope that that would signal to the other companies, hey, 
maybe we should make our games cross-platform. So that's another reason why I'm excited. Yeah, the whole, I get how, what they're thinking there, but that is just the stupidest reasoning. Oh yeah, our fake <laughs> ecosystem, or economic system that we've implanted won't mesh well together across consoles because they have two different prices. It'll work itself out. It's player. Yeah. It's not what you do in the game. It's not what the developers have done. It's the players. They'll figure it out because they care enough about the game. The apparently on PlayStation cards are more expensive than on Xbox. And I think they're worried that by merging everybody together, it'll either super skyrocket or flood the market completely and everything will be too cheap. So the, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how it'll go, but that I yeah, I can kind of understand where they're coming from, but I just think it's such a stupid reason. I mean, I think it will just depend on how well they keep the percentages like it's all going to be it's just supply and demand that's all that marketplace is hey i have this card okay let me have it how much you willing to pay for it well i only have this amount of coins okay cool i'll give you this you know it's not a hard concept so <laughs> it's gonna work itself out i would agree so the next game that we're going to talk about it comes out on may 7th and it is resident evil village this will be the direct sequel to Resident Evil Bio Biohazard, um, both also called Resident Evil 7 and 8, for those of you who may not know the correct names of them. Um, a lot of people really loved Resident Evil Biohazard. It was the first game to go first person, and it was also the first game since the original to return to its suspense horror roots, as opposed to most of the games had become more action horror. And I feel like that's the reason why a lot of people liked Biohazard. It felt more like you were playing an Outlast style game where you could still shoot stuff, but you also, there was a more in-depth story. You didn't know if you were going to walk around a corner and just die. Um, there was a lot more of that. I'm on the edge of my seat the whole time. And um, I'm a fan of the Resident Evil franchise, but the one qualm I always had was the third person. And so I personally liked Biohazard a lot because I was able to become first person. Um, and I'm super excited for Village. Uh, obviously, everybody's seen the trailer. Everybody's seen the giant vampire lady memes. Um, that's not necessarily one of the things that has me super excited. Not that it doesn't, but uh, <laughs> I needed to preface that just because a lot of people have only been getting into the game because of the giant vampire lady. Um, what first got me was the original release trailer made it seem like there would be some kind of werewolf or transformation beast like creature and i think that will be a very cool add to the game um it is supposed to follow right after biohazard and it is set in like a pre-time so there's going to be a lot of really nice set pieces pieces set in older time i guess is probably the better way to say it um so i'm really excited for the scenery i'm really excited for the new the new setting the new villains just really wh wh where they can capitalize on what they did great in in resident evil biohazard yeah i've never played a resident evil game um the the trailer i've seen it looks pretty good so you know i might check it out but jacob's the authority figure on this game in this podcast at least. if uh definitely if if you like horror games obviously everybody knows the resident evil franchise and i personally feel like they're back to being good. I know in the community for a while, people were just kind of hating the ones that were getting put out. So I will, maybe a hot take, but I will go on the seat saying that they are good again. And you sh and if you like the series, you should try it again. 
That's a hot, hot take. Not really, though. It's kind of like a lame hot take. Anyways, I didn't say that. <laughs> All right. Next game. May 21st, coming out on PS5 and PC, which is shocking because this game is published by Bethesda. A, a company that is now owned by Microsoft is releasing a PS5 exclusive. I don't, I don't get it. And that's Deathloop. It looks cool, but what business person said, hey, you know that console that we kind of own? Yeah, let's not release it on that one. What do you think there was already a deal set in place before M- Microsoft got Bethesda that Deathloop was only supposed to be an exclusive? Yeah, I, the developer is not Bethesda. I just think the publisher is Bethesda. Okay, yeah, it says developer is Arcane Studios, but it's published by Bethesda. Okay, yeah, so Arcane Studios probably made a deal with Micro or Sony to keep it a PlayStation exclusive. And then Bethesda probably was the publisher and like, hey, we got to release it on something Microsoft. So they're like, okay, we'll release it on PC, Microsoft Windows. So I think that's why it's got that weird combination of PS5 and PC. Um, But it looks like a very interesting game. I remember seeing this either at E3 uh, or... PS5's event. I think it was the official PS5 um, event that they did back in June, I believe. And basically the whole concept is that you're an assassin and you have to go and kill these people, but they can also kill you. And if they kill you, you start the whole day over again. So the whole concept is having to learn how to affect this loop you know, like say you know a guy's going to go to a party. Try to get another guy to go to that party so that way you can kill two people in one bullet, two birds in one stone. You know, so there's that kind of effect, learning the path, learning the loop. So that way you can go at it more efficiently. And I think this will eventually become a speed running game because of that. You know, there's all these different paths that you can take, like what's the most optimized? How can I get, you know, three, four, or even all six or seven of these people I have to kill in one place at one time? Um, I don't know if that's going to be actually allowed to happen, you know, because the game hasn't come out. But I do think that it has a speed running game potential. Interesting. Um, I, quick, I, note, I, quick note on the on the PS5 thing, it is under a timed one-year console exclusivity deal. So eventually it will come to Xbox. Ah, okay. See, that makes sense. When COD does the one-year exclusivity for a game that generally only has a one-year life cycle, that doesn't make sense. But I I digress. Yeah, I Uh, mean, go ahead. No, I just, uh, the... That sounds like a very interesting premise for the video game. I feel like most people, even if you've never seen the movie, you've heard of it. It's an 80s comedy called Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Um, And it is very famous for him being stuck in a loop and he has to figure out how to get out of it. Then after that movie came out, there have been tons of movies that have done the I'm stuck in a loop and they try and do it in a different way. So that way it's not just like a repeat. Um, I personally am not the biggest fan of that. I don't even know if you can call it a genre. We'll just say story trope 
yeah. in movies, but I'd be curious to see how it would play out in a video game. If you're controlling it yourself, that may make it more interesting. But I would, I would say that I would be initially um, not as intrigued by it because of the loop factor. I guess almost equally as intrigued to see if it would actually be cool. Yeah, I feel like there will be some premeditated deaths to, you know, help progress the story. But I think eventually it will be, you know, a wide open go at it, do your own thing. So I think it could be cool. Just depends on the freedom you get. Moving on to June and late June, June 22nd. Releasing on all the old consoles, meaning PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the new consoles, as well as PC, is a game that I think a lot of people are excited for. And a lot of people are, are wanting to get this game style back in the loop. <laughs> Pun, because we just talked about the death loop. Anyways, and that's Back for Blood. I know Jacob's really excited about this game because he loves Left 4 Dead 2, which is... <laughs> Basically, the sequel to it, not really, but kind of. Yes, so it is the spiritual sequel. Everybody was begging for a Left 4 Dead 3 or even a Left 4 Dead remaster for the what are now current-gen consoles. We never got it, but it's okay because I think we're going to get something, dare I say, better. Um, let's just say I'm hoping. If it's even the same game as Left 4 Dead, I think it'll still be great. Um, it is done by... Turtle Rock Studios, I think is their name. Um, so same people who do, who did Left 4 Dead. And I, I have the, their website pulled up because I just, I want to read straight from their synopsis because I just think it sounds so good. Back for Blood is a thrilling, cooperative, first-person shooter from the creators of the critically acclaimed Left 4 Dead franchise. You are at the center of a war against the Ridden. These once-human hosts of a deadly parasite have turned into terrifying creatures bent on devouring re remains of civilization. With humanity's extinction on the line, it's up to you and your friends to take the fight to the enemy, eradicate the Ridden, and reclaim the world. You have a cooperative story campaign where you fight your way through a dynamic, perilous world in a four-player co-op story campaign where you must work together to survive increasingly challenging missions. Play with up to three of your friends online or go solo and lead your team in battle. So very similar to the original Left 4 Dead, there's competitive multiplayer where you can either play as the survivors or as the Ridden themselves. And um, it just gener like if you've even seen the trailer, it basically just looks like Left 4 Dead with a different main four and dare I say upgraded specialty zombies. Um, the yeah, you, there there's even one in the trailer that straight up looks like a spitter just like went Super Saiyan or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, but yeah, this is probably besides the normal sports games that I get every year, like this is probably. If I had to pick one game I'd be most uh, anticipated for for 2021, it's Back for Blood, just because, as as we expressed in the last podcast, Left 4 Dead 2 is my favorite video game of all time, and I would love for this game to be able to recapture the game nostalgia that I, I spent so long of my middle school years playing. <laughs> yeah, so I actually watched uh, some, I don't know if it was beta or alpha gameplay, and it was about like an hour long. Um, it looks a little bit more in-depth then left for dead you know there's uh maybe there's this whole deck and card system that gives you buffs and weapons and skills and that they call talents so oh yeah 
All right, that's the part I forgot to read about the extreme replayability. Um, I- I'm assuming you're about to explain it, so I will let you go. Yeah, so basically, you know, in the beginning of a story, like a three or four stage story, you start off with not that much, and then each stage you get more, as well as the zombies get more. Even the AI and the story mode get advantages. So it really becomes, you know, at the end, it becomes, you know, how well can you manage not only what you have advantage on, but what the enemy has advantage on you. Um, so a lot of this was, just, you know, there's like the basic buffs, you know, you have 15% more health or 10% fire rate. I can't remember exactly. And there's also cards that give you weapons. Uh, so like the, st- the at the very beginning, you can pick uh, an AK weapon. You can pick a sniper or like a attack rifle or something like that. And then there's also like talents or skills. And like one of them is you can, when you go down, you heal your teammates. So even though that you died, you're still healing your teammates for a short time. So there's little things like that that are really cool and still will make this a fresh and new game, I feel like. Do you get to pick the cards for your deck or is it random? So the one view I saw is that it's like a drawing system. So at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of stage one, you have like four or five cards that appear at the bottom of your screen and you can pick like one or two. And then, you know, your teammates get to do all of that as well. And they all combine together. Not technically. So like, if you have a card that says your whole team gets plus 10 reload speed or whatever, then yeah, the whole team gets it. But it, like, if you go down, it heals other teammates. That isn't applied to every single person. So at the beginning of stage two, you get to do this again. And then stage three again, stage four again. And like I said, the AI or the player zombies in the PvP mode are also doing this. Okay, so that explains the including mutated boss types up to 20 feet tall. That is a... I don't know if that will be a player. Like, you can play that as a player in the zombies versus the eight-person PvP mode. But I... Do know that that was a kind of specialty zombie in the game that I saw, whereas others were more common. Like, even though they were like the special zombies, they were still, you know, maybe two or three each kind of stage within the state, like the level map. Like, you have kind of like breakpoints, and in between breakpoints, there's still, you know, two to three or four or five specialty zombies. I didn't even know that that gameplay had already been released, so I'm gonna have to find that on YouTube and watch it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was more of a like a sponsored thing, um, for YouTube, Twitch, and stuff like that, where some people got to play it. This game does look to be more difficult than Led for Dead Two. Um, the people I watched play, I can't remember their names. I'm sorry. Uh, it was just four guys. They were playing together. It was about for like an hour, hour and a half. And they said that this was harder than Left 4 Dead 2. And they were just doing like AI stuff. 
and I don't think they completed the the full stage one to stage four in the gameplay that I saw. You know, they restarted once and they died the second time. They were like, okay, we'll we'll come back to it later when it comes out or whatnot. And that was on the normal difficulty. That does kind of make sense. I felt like the original Left 4 Dead, while there was a little bit of a skill gap with the specialty zombies, the normal zombies were kind of just like almost arcadey, where or like Dead Rising almost, where it was just like, ah, they're more of a nuisance and we're just kind of running to collect stuff. So I guess it would make sense that they would up the up the ante, especially because I would assume a lot of the people who played Left 4 Dead in their childhood are now older and may want more of a challenge. I don't think it was the just like the normal zombies. I think it was the whole. Uh, I think it was everything in general. You know, okay. you, I don't think you get as much ammo. Um, I don't think you get as much, or maybe the zombies hurt you more or not. I don't remember too much from Left 4 Dead 2, but it did look more difficult. That makes sense. I, I One of the things that, and I didn't hate this because I was in middle school, so, you know, if it was easy, cool, more fun. But uh, my gun just basically never ran out of ammo. It was really easy to find an ammo cache and just completely refill. And you, 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 there was no need to use different weapons. You could pick the one that was your favorite, and you could just use that forever. So that, um, or I should say as long as you were lucky enough to find it, because, of course, it randomly... Uh, would appear in places but so if they made it more of a reliance on you know i gotta realize if i'm low on ammo or whatnot then i act i i i like that i like that 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 could potentially be something as well as other things yeah one thing i noticed that the people were doing in the game is that one person has an ar one person has a shotgun one person has attack rifle and that everyone would load up the ammo at the beginning but later on in the game they would be like hey anyone have sniper ammo and they would drop it and pick it up so like warzone <laughs> yeah, it was there wasn't as much ammo on each person, but it looks like you might be able to get efficient with it where like if you stick with the same gun from stage one to four, you might be able to get by if you're very smart about ammo, you know, using, you know, equipment like Molotovs, frags and all that kind of good stuff. You could probably get through it very easily ammo wise, maybe not like, you know, actual difficulty wise, but if you don't take into account and you're just, you know, shooting everywhere, you will run into ammo and you will die. If it is also like the original Left 4 Dead, it sounds like it'll be something that you should play with three buddies and not use an AI. Uh, that was always the worst thing if you only had three people and then you, the like, uh, Rochelle, that's <laughs> freaking Rochelle. <laughs> um, if... She was just always the AI because no one ever picked her. But the AI would straight up just like run into the zombie horde, not try and move and would die instantly. And it's like, okay, well, I guess the AI just isn't going to be a part of this mission. Yeah, I think it will be like that top. Um, I don't know if in the last game or not the last game in Left 4 Dead 2, if you could hurt your teammates, could you? It depends if it, only if you were on realism. Okay, well, in this game, it looks like it's on no matter what. So, you know, if you're shooting a horde and your teammate just decides to walk in front of you, they're going to get hit. That actually is another question, I guess. In the base campaign, if your friends ran away, you could always see their outline. But if you were playing realism, you couldn't because, of course, you wouldn't in real life. Do you know if that's a thing? Um, I don't know. It was the only thing I know was that or remember 
was that they played on like the normal difficulty. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't hard or extra hard or whatnot. It was just supposed to be the base difficulty of the game. And you could see the outlines of people. I don't remember if it was like all the time or like once they had died and come back, you could see the outlines of them. But at some point you could. Okay. It was almost like an upgraded version of what you see in like uh, Black Ops Zombies. Kind of, yeah. Um, okay. However, if you die, you don't just like come back. You have to, within each stage, there's that safe area. That's where you respawn. Your team has to make it to the next quote unquote safe area where there's zombies can still get in there, but they're able to, you know, take you off the wall from the goop or whatever that's holding you up. And then you can join. <laughs> And finish out that stage. Oh, this just sounds like such a great game. The the even though I know it's not Left for Dead, it just sounds exactly like it. And the, the the nostalgia is flowing through my body. Yeah, I think I think it'll be good. I hope so. If it's not, I will be very disappointed. That's all the games that I know of that have a release date. Everything else does not have a release date as of now. Whether okay. it be that they've pushed it back to past a certain point in time or they've never given one in the first place. Um, however, we'll talk about these two first since we kind of know when they're coming out and that's Madden and NBA 2K. Okay. So, Jacob, why don't you take lead since you know you enjoy these games a lot? okay so i'll go with madden because in the past that has come out first it normally comes out at the beginning of august right before preseason and um essentially i was kind of disappointed um it was the sport game that came out on current gen and then when they made a jump to next gen they changed nothing uh and i know they added uh, next gen stats and they changed the hud when you're making play calls that doesn't count uh, you could have just done that on current gen. So I'm really hoping that we don't get another copy and paste of the same game since I think Madden 14 or 15 was when they first introduced the uh, game UI that we have now. And they literally just haven't changed it. They've added, we'll give them credit in that they've been doing uh, updates that have been adding systems to the game that we've been asking for so uh, you know you get you get, a, you get a couple stars but in general i would like a rework of the game that is just just feel even if it's the same game system wise just make it feel like it's new or or you know the uh, that probably sounds bad but something that <laughs> something that's just not a complete carbon copy that makes me feel like i wasted 60 bucks um the there are, of course, a lot of things in real-life football that are not in the game. A lot of stuff that – a lot of salary cap manipulation that can happen in real life that aren't in there. I don't know how easy that stuff would be to code, so I won't be too nitpicky on that. But um, the draft classes this year were terrible. It was so hard to get a rarity above uh, normal when you were drafting people. And um, especially if they – like. Uh, one of the YouTubers I watched, Bengal, shout out to him. It, it felt like in every video he was testing it and he would go through the top 30 uh, players in the draft and like two of them would have uh, 
a, a hidden development trait. All the rest were normal. And that's just not good. Uh, even if you have the same amount of hidden players, if they're really far down, like I don't mind a couple. Yeah, you want to draft some gems later on. But if the number one guy in the class is an 80 and he's like an edge rusher, that's like a really important position. He should probably be hidden at least, I don't know, 10, 20% of the time. Like that, that might even be too low, but not every time he should be normal. So like, it's like a really nitpicky thing, but uh, the whole community hates that. Um, the trade system is still terrible. You can still abuse it. I know they tried to fix trading for star linemen, but it didn't really work. Uh, the, the uh, From what I've heard about from the community, there's not really that much of a complaint system with Mutt, just about like the cards and stuff. So, And that really plays into gameplay. Um, so I can't really talk much about that. Most of my complaints come from playing an actual franchise. So that's pretty much it for Madden. Um, Connor, did you have anything you wanted to input before I moved on to 2K? I think it's fallen under the, hey, let's put on a game. Well, what are we going to do next year? Nothing. They'll pay 60 bucks for it. Let's go. Make money. Come on. Let's go. Of, of all of the sports games, this is the one that the most has fallen into it because it's literally a – like you can put – Madden 20 next to Madden 21, and they are the exact same game. Heard stories that in Madden 21, there were like fans in the stand that had t-shirts on that said like Madden 18. <laughs> I would not be surprised. They've just been copying the same code from the previous game. And like, they'll change the color. Like I think last year, the color was red or gray or something. And this year it's like a dark blue. So, like, <laughs> you know, take that for what you will, but uh, it's still the same game. Yeah, a game that doesn't do much in updating from year to year doesn't deserve that much talking about it. So I'm good to go with the next one. Okay, so then this one is where I do have to give some credit where credit is due. Uh, the current gen 2K21 was a complete carbon copy, but everybody was pretty much okay with that because we knew they were putting all their effort into next gen. I just recently got next gen 2k so uh pretty excited about it uh i'm happy with stuff that they did don't get me wrong there's still a lot of problems i i, I this is probably the community i'm the most active in so i i do understand that even some of the glitches that i have personally encountered that make it just a little bit frustrating to, to play some of the game but um in general i think it was a step in the right direction i really like the new my career builder um I like that, that, you know, they listened to a lot of what the community said and they, they rolled with it. Um, you now can make a player that can, even though he doesn't have 99 and everything, the player that I have can play inside, he can play outside, he can defend both uh, like one through five. So, you know, it's more of a odd mode type player, even though he's not 99 all. So that's, that, that's very nice. Um, the my NBA experience where they basically merged my GM and my league together to give you more customization. Um, cool idea. It was not, it's nice that you can do that. It's nice that you can take away teams. You can now have a minimum of only 12. Um, and uh, that makes for some really interesting drafts uh, that there's a glitch where you can't play longer than like four or five years. I forget what it, I was testing it out. You literally can't play more than a couple years, which is kind of upsetting when it says play up to 80 years. Um, but that's more or less something that they should just patch. Uh, the real thing that I wanted to talk about was the boomer bus system. One of the biggest uh, complaints that people in the community have been talking about for years is that it's super terrible to go longer than like three years because 
drafting sucks. Um, you draft a player and because of the way the potential works, you pretty much know that they're all going to be 90 overall pluses in three years. And they introduced this boomer bust system, which after playing multiple franchises, I personally like it. Um, it makes it to where you, your number one overall pick can never develop into anything. And the 60th overall pick can become LeBron. doesn't happen all the time. It's, 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 you know, just as rare as it would be in real life. But uh, I really like that new system. My one qualm is it only applies to rookies that you draft. Uh, I wish that it also applied to the current players that you have now, you know, not like I'd want this in real life, but if I was playing one sim and like Kevin Durant all of a sudden woke up tomorrow and was a scrub, that would kind of be cool to me in the game. You know, there's that that randomness factor because that can actually happen in real life. So like the, you know, real life is random. Um, so for the next game, I would love if they made it where the boomer bust was also applied to normal people or sorry, the current players. Um, also, the biggest thing in life that's not in the game is the buyout market it's a really big part of the nba season and they have yet to find a way to input it into the game and i would love if they could do that um i would love if they could just kind of show some love to my league because really all they did was the boomer bus system and that's mainly what i play and they've basically said they don't care about the my league community because you know we give them 60 bucks and that's it and they care more about my team and my career because that's where they make their money but a lot of players get the game just to grind out different leagues so they should put some love into that. So that's kind of just my two cents, but they technically did better this year than Madden. So I'll give them like extra half star, but I, I do think both games still have a lot to go. So I know that was a relatively long rant, but uh, hopefully with both Madden 22 and 2K22, they actually, you know, make improvements to their game. Uh, and yeah, 2K ha just hasn't done an update in like two months, I think it is for next gen. And there's just a lot of bugs and I hope they fix them. <laughs> you said love a lot. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he really loves this love word, doesn't he? Anyways. Yeah. I don't play 2K because it's, again, just copy and paste what it seems like. So if they're making changes, changes uh, I may eventually get it. Maybe not this year or the next year. But whenever there's a good bit of change from the game that I played, that's when I'll pick up the next one. If you're uh, going to do that, I would say, and for anybody watching, don't get another current Gen 2K. Wait until you get a next-gen console because it really was just a copy and paste. And especially because of the way the season was this year, 2K21 was literally 2K20 until December because they didn't have uh, they didn't have rookies in it. They didn't have free agency. So, like, normally you're paying 60 bucks for at least a roster update. You literally got nothing new. So uh, next-gen is the one that is actually a different game, I would just recommend to everybody don't give them another dime unless you have a next gen console okay um we'll move away from like the yearly sports game trash that we've been talking about uh <laughs> and we'll go to playstation's quote-unquote main racing game or the real racing simulator and that is gran turismo gran turismo 7 for this year and it's the eighth installment of the Gran Turismo series. I just say Gran Turismo a lot, just like you said, love a lot. And now I'm going to say <laughs> Gran Turismo too much. Anyways, basically, <laughs> it's a very, I shouldn't say very, it's a realistic racing simulator to where you can drive, you know, the sports cars, supercars, uh, specialty cars that, you know, maybe like 
a James Bond car. I don't know. I didn't play it. But it seems very interesting to people who enjoy racing, whether that be like F1 or just racing in general. And it seems to be one of the more realistic ones um, where you get to race on actual racetracks. Uh, I remember watching Ford versus Fiari. Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> Fiari. Yeah, I was thinking of Guy Fieri for a second. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and the Le Mans racetrack is where they raced in that movie. That was like the final race. And then I looked it up and this game had it. And it had the same car from the movie. So that's what really interests me in the first place. And I think that that is very cool that they do kind of work with not just real cars, but like cars that are in pop culture. I don't know to the extent of which they do that, but it is cool. Even though that the Ford GT was a real car at the time. Anyways, uh, something that they're bringing back for this game is the used car dealership. It wasn't in six, but it was in five, and it's kind of been off on. But in five, basically was that there's this dealership that sells, of course, used cars, and they're a little bit cheaper than the normal dealerships, and they come with predetermined colors, you know, just like how a used car dealership would. Um, but the big thing is that in G Gran Turismo 5, I about called it GTA 5, Oof. Um, there's a total of 30 cars at the used car dealership. And every in-game day, six new ones come in and six, the last six that have been there, like the oldest six in there, will leave. So every five in-game days, 30 new cars are through the rotation. So if you see a car in the used dealership, the used car dealership, you have a very limited time to get it. Um, I don't know if it makes it way makes its way back through the rotation. It may, it may not. But it's kind of a cool like, hey, here's a car car that uh, maybe isn't as popular, or you know, maybe isn't as expensive as other cars that you may want. Get it for a limited time here. You know, it's just a very interesting thing rather than having the whole database of cars like. Buy them at full price. Do whatever you want with them. Another thing in the game is they have a tuning shop. So this is where they really get in depth with it. And you can, of course, tune your car. Whether that be like suspension, tires, engine, transmission, whatever. I'm not a big car person, so I don't know that much about it. However, I do know that tuning a car can give you advantages in certain areas and disadvantages in others. So to have that min-max in this game could be very interesting to some people. And if you really get into it and then, you know, like this is your game for the next couple of years or just like off and on for a couple of years, you could have a lot of fun and just kind of testing out what's good, what's not, you know, rather than just getting, okay, that car's faster than that car. Okay. Well, how do I make the car that isn't as fast, maybe close to it. So that way I can use it with some reliability. So I think that's a very interesting thing that they are bringing back or putting in the game. I don't know if it was in previous games, but this is something cool to me. Okay. Any thoughts, Jikabe? So I, 
<laughs> I um I've never played Gan- Gran Turismo. I know that the Xbox version, quote unquote, is Forza, and that I have played, and I really like that. Um, I've been told that they are very similar, and that they both try to be very realistic with their their driving styles, the cars they use, and whatnot. So if it's anything like Forza, I'm sure it's great. I really like Forza. Um, yeah, that's kind of the <laughs> that's kind of the gist of what I can say about Gran Turismo. I played Forza. I can't remember, it was like four or five, and it was back on the Xbox One. Um, and I do think Gran Turismo is more realistic now. I don't know. I haven't looked at the other ones. The other uh, Horizon, not Horizon, Forza games. But I do know the Horizon. For, holy shit, these are hard games to say. Her- <laughs> yes, the Forza Horizon games are very popular because it's not just street racing or track racing. I'm sorry. It is street racing and, you know, off-road. So that has a very attractive feel to it with the Horizon Forza games. Gran Turismo, I don't think, has that. Okay. But with racing out of the way, we're going to go to one of the games that... I think would just be be cool to own and play here and there. It's coming on again, new and old consoles, the Switch and PC, and that is Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. That is all nine movies in one game. I don't think it's basically like a remaster of the old games. I think it's a new take that it may have, you know, of course you can't change the movie, so it's got to have the same story, right? But it may have different humor. It may have different aspects of it, but it will have the essential same thing. And it will have all nine games in one place. And I think that's one of the best things Lego video games have done is having a whole franchise in one game. Like, I think they did Harry Potter, but they split it like one to four, years one to four, and then years five to seven. So to have all nine movies is really cool. And I think it would be, you know, a game that you aren't playing from start to finish. You know, you take breaks, and you're like, you know, my favorite movie was the second one in the original trilogy. So let me play that one, you know, more often than, say, the first one in the most recent trilogy. I think it has that aspect going for it. Yeah, the I I had a game, I think it was for the 3DS or DS or whatever, and it was just a collection of all of the original six before they made the new trilogy. Um, I really like it. The Lego Star Wars has a special place in my heart just because of nostalgia. Um, I did always prefer Lego Batman, but I definitely played Lego Star Wars. Um, the interesting thing about this game is when it was announced like a week after when rise of skywalker initially dropped in december of 2019 about a week later was when the complete skywalker saga was initially announced and it was going to come out in december of 2020 now it got pushed back because of what ended up happening with you know the pandemic and everything and i would assume that because star wars loves its decembers that this is probably coming out in December. It's going to take advantage of Christmas and everything. This kind of suck. It got pushed back a year, but this was one of my games that I really wanted in, in 2020. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I had kind of forgotten about it. <laughs> so I, I just thought maybe it came out and I missed it. But that's interesting to me that they, you know, decided to push it back a year. Yeah. Um, again, it's undated, so I don't know when it's going to be coming out. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people will look, get it out of nostalgia and just to play it with friends or by yourself. So yeah. But you brought up Batman, so we'll transition to Gotham Knights. Which I believe uh, is a PlayStation 5 exclusive. No. Are you joking or? No, I'm not, Jacob. That game is a PlayStation 5 exclusive. Just kidding. It is not. It is on old consoles, new consoles, and Microsoft Windows. I was going to say, Windows. <laughs> this is definitely not an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been. Keep every good gummy away from Xbox. <laughs> Got it. So this Forced whole, Jacob to get a PS5. Our whole podcast is just going to be the the console wars. <laughs> so tune in, yeah. guys. Um, this, <laughs> That's is good. W- <laughs> this, this is made by WB Games Montreal, who is like a brother company to um, the normal WB Games that are sorry. What the heck is their name? This may be Warner Brothers. No, uh, Gotham Knights is made by WB Games Montreal, which is like a brother company to Rocksteady who made the original Arkham trilogy that everybody loves. WB Games uh, Montreal is the one who made uh, Arkham Arkham Origins, the one that everybody hates. So there is some intrigue on if Gotham Knights will be good just because of the original, like they made the one game that people don't like out of the original Batman games. But um, it does seem very interesting in that instead of being a solo story, it is a four-player co-op, or at least it has the ability to be. If if there are not, um, if you're not playing with four people, you just play by yourself. Though you don't play with AI. But um, I think can- it, you can only play with one other person. I don't think you can play as all four. Interesting. I don't. I don't know for sure. the The gameplay that they showed at DC Fandom only had two people. Yeah, so I think it's just a co-op. It's not a full four-player. Okay, my bad. I know Suicide Squad is going to be a full four-player, so that that's probably where I got mixed up. I do apologize for the people listening. Um, Apology not accepted. Continue. <laughs> so you play as you can play as Robin, uh, Nightwing, Red Hood, and I think Batgirl is Batgirl. the fourth one. Yeah, okay. Um, And essentially, this does take place in the Arkham universe. Batman's gone. We don't know why. He's dead. We are are told he's dead, but it's Batman. (laughs) The, (laughs) the, the, uh, the, The theory in the Reddit posts is that it's Batman. <laughs> so basically there's a very famous co- comic storyline called battle for the cowl where Batman has to fake his own death and nobody knows he's dead. So a bunch of people take over the mantle as Batman and kind of keep crime at bay in Arkham. Um, sorry in Gotham. And so until Batman returns. So there's a theory that Batman is quote unquote dead and we're playing as his underlings keeping Gotham at bay because with Batman gone, there's a vacuum. All the villains are going to be like, ha ha, the city's mine now. And then Batman's just going to like appear at the end or something. as like a surprise reveal that will be a surprise to no one. 
Um, if he actually is dead, I think that would be more of a surprise <laughs> to the to the people in the community. But um, as a DC fan, especially with Batman as my favorite superhero, uh, I'm excited for this game. Um, played the original Arkham trilogy. I actually never played Arkham Origins, so I can't even say if that's the worst one. I just know it got critically panned and everybody else hates it. Uh, so... I'm going into this one with open arms primarily because I like the co-op aspect and I'm hoping that I can play it with a friend. Yeah. Um, I think this game will be more towards the recent Spider-Man games rather than the old Arkham games or Batman games. I don't know what, the, were they Arkham or Garth? Arkham or Gartham? Okay. Lord. <laughs> were they Arkham or Gotham? They were Arkham. And I do agree with you. The, the, the other game announced at DC Fandom was that Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, and that is supposed to be more like the original Arkham games because it's made by Rocksteady. I'm assuming WB Games Montreal decided they wanted to, to, to try and separate themselves from the other game. I mean, obviously it's not going to be Spider-Man because you can't do what Spider-Man does, but I do think it will be that, you know, that kind of game where it's open world, there's quests, there's the main story, you can go and do stuff like fight, little crimes and not affect the story. Yeah, for sure. If they if they were if they don't do that, there will be a problem because as great as Arkham Asylum was, there's a reason why Arkham City is on a lot of people's lists as one of the best games ever and that open world aspect just made it so much better. The Hello? Yes. Oh, you just stopped talking like mid-sentence. <laughs> that was a <laughs> What? <laughs> That that was a burp. I, oh. I at the I, I realized it was kind of timed at the end of the sentence, so I apologize. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Um. Also, uh, since you have four characters, you know you can do their different play styles and all that kind of good stuff. Their you know various abilities and stuff. So it kind of has you know that Borderlands type. Well, I guess a lot of games have you know multiple characters they can play, but I, I don't know if you can switch in between. Like, can. Say you do a mission and you're you started as Batgirl mid mission. Can you call up Robin and be like, "Hey, I need some help," and then switch to him? So no, that was the big difference between the two games announced in Suicide Squad. All four are there at the same time, and if you're not controlling one, the other one's controlled by AI. So you can switch as at your leisure. For Gotham Knights, um, whoever you can pick whoever you want at the beginning of a mission, but once you pick them, you're stuck with them until the end of that mission. Then okay. you can switch. Okay. Sounds cool. Um, I'm also looking at stuff right now, and it looks like you can have various, you know, you can have maybe some various, like, clothing or weapons that might help you do certain stuff. I don't know. But that'd be kind of cool if that had that. Um, another thing I want to know is that it is possible for this game to get pushed into 2022. So... It could come out in 2021, but it could also possibly push into early of 2022. Yeah, unfortunately, the pandemic definitely affected a lot of the game developments. That I mean, Madden and NBA are coming out yearly. Of course, they don't do anything. They just caught. All right, that's enough of them. 2K literally postponed itself its release date like 10 days, and everybody was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, they have to call in the one guy to get the extra like. What is the thing where you step in and you have... Okay, I'm not going to talk about it. We're talking about something else. 
Now let's get into the good games. We have three more games, and these three games, I think, will all be in competition for Game of the Year. I think these three games could possibly win Game of the Year at different awards, and they could all be in competition as the big three of the year. And we'll start with the one that I think will probably have the harder time winning, and that is Far Cry 6. Far Cry games have been very good the past couple. Uh, I think New Dawn was a little bit iffy. It was just, you know, kind of... It was almost what should have been just the DLC to Far Cry 5. But nonetheless, it still looked good. Uh, Far Cry 4 and 5 were good. And I think Far Cry 6, being on next-gen, will just raise another bar. Raise the bar even just a little bit more. Especially with Giancarlo Esposito being the bad guy. Yes. Um, Anything he plays in, I think, is good. Even if he's a side character, I think he enhances, whether it be a movie, TV show, or even video game. He brings something to the table, and I think he'll make the story just a little bit better. Which I think sometimes is what lacking in Far Cry games. However, Far Cry games are actually probably the best at making good villains. Because you think back to Far Cry 3, uh, Voss, amazing. And then uh, 4 was a little bit iffy. I mean, he was still good. I can't remember the guy's name. But then 5, they ramped it back up. And I think they're going to continue on that track of going up, especially with John Carlo. That's what's interesting. Um, Just from the stuff I've read on in like the, the Far Cry community, a lot of people, even if they like the villain in Far Cry 4 or 5, the Voss in 3 just set such a high bar that a lot of them are like, no one can ever top him, which is just sad. It's not necessarily that they haven't tried, but he was just so good that it's just like that's the staple and it's kind of hard to live up to it. So that could be very interesting to see if like, not that Voss wasn't played by a good actor or something, but Giancarlo Esposito could potentially like top that and that would be very cool. I think uh, Far Cry 5, I, I wish I knew his name, and it makes me think, it doesn't give me credit here, but he was, I think, if not on the same level as Voss, he was pretty daggum close. Um, I generally just liked the st- So I haven't, I played Far Cry 3 when I was super young, so, you know, recency bias potentially, but I think I just generally liked the story in Far Cry 5 better not even just the villain. Um, like I, f- I feel bad saying that because it's not like I can just go back and replay the game super quickly to to to, to judge my 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 hot take at this moment. But I really liked the story in Far Cry Five. Yeah, wait, say that again. I think you. I would, said go, that. I would go as far as to say that that the the story in Far Cry Five was better than Far Cry Three. And it could be recency bias, but I really liked the story in Far Cry Five. I I really like the Far Cry series in general. Um, I think so. You're all... saying you like Far Cry Five better, but you liked Voss from Far Cry Three better. I'm saying that I have a hard time uh, putting the villain in Far Cry Five over Voss because of his stature as like great villain status. But I'm going to do it, and if it's recency bias, then I apologize. I, I would put the villain in Far Cry 5 over Voss, personally. 
Okay, I got what you're saying. Yeah, sorry, um, I know that was kind of confusing. Um, Far Cry 5 was Joseph C. That's his name. There we go. Joseph C. and his whole family. I have always been partial. This is going to sound weird. I have always been partial to cults. <laughs> um, I mean that as the concept of it is very intriguing to me because it's it is almost like the mafia, but with a religion or a religion esque type. I shouldn't say it's a complete religion because there is various different aspects of a religion and a cult, but it does have that kind of mafia feel where there's the leader and it has his underlings and they all work for the leader and the underlings. There's a, before you continue, there's a very famous quote. Uh, can you guess what the difference between a cult and a religion is in the religion? The leader is dead. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I believe they call Joseph seed in far cry five, the father, but enough, we're talking about far cry six. Okay. <laughs> Far Cry 6, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be good. Giancarlo, I don't care. He's a great actor. He'll make, I think, an amazing villain in a Far Cry series. Just because in a Far Cry series, it's not just the actors. It's also the writers to continuously have these people. And I think the combination of Giancarlo and the Far Cry writers or directors or whoever is over it will succeed in making a very, very good villain. And I think it is only going up from here in the Far Cry series. Agreed. So, the other two games that have Game of the Year potential, we'll start with one that I think is... The concept is new. I personally enjoyed the first one. This is a sequel. Obviously, since I said I played the first one. (laughs) Anyways, and that is Horizon Forbidden West. Now, I said in the last podcast that Horizon Zero Dawn was probably one of my favorite games of all time. I was about halfway through the story. I would say that it still is. However, it's not as high as it would be with a different ending and leading into this sequel. Um, Spoiler alerts for Zero Dawn. It's been out since 2017. But still, spoiler alerts. At the very end, Silence, the person that has kind of helped you through this, ends up taking control of the thing that you were supposed to kill. And then in the trailer of Forbidden West, he looks like he is actively using that to take over the machines once again. So, I am going to have a hard time going into the game, feeling that it's going to be something new. When I say that, I don't mean new machines. I don't mean new gameplay. I mean new story. When I've already gone and done and stopped Hades, and you basically said, oh, wait, no, you didn't stop him. Ha, ha, ha. He's out with the person that helped you, quote, unquote. And now he's doing the same thing again. I have a hard time wanting to redo what I just did. So as long as it's different and as long as it's intriguing, I think it will be good and it will have game of the year potential. If it 
does repeat itself, I do think it's going to be very lacking. I think the gameplay will still be good, but I do think the story will go down. And that's one of the biggest things with Horizon Zero Dawn is the story is so interesting and new and fresh. And then you are doing the same thing. I think that's the, the biggest downfall that Forbidden West can have. Yeah, it, It's never good when a story, especially a sequel, is just derivative of the first one. Yeah. Um, this is a PlayStation exclusive. It'll come out to PlayStation 4 and 5. So even though the, you know, it's a, a year or two into, or a year into the next-gen console life, it will still release on PlayStation 4 in case you aren't able to get a next-gen console. So there is that going for it. However, I really hope it doesn't repeat itself. If it doesn't, it, it, again, potential for game of the year. And I think it will be because I think the people in the game who've made the game, who are voicing in the game, have enough sense in storytelling to not do that. So I'm still excited about it, but <laughs> I am a little hesitant. Probably like 98% excited, but a game that I'm 100% in. Like, <laughs> you, if they had it on pre-order now for triple the price, at what it would be at launch. I would get it. Because it is God of War 2021. God of War Ragnarok. God of War. Atreus is actually Loki. Kratos goes and kills Thor. Whatever is going to happen. I am excited. I am thrilled. I think this is going to be game of the year. Hands down. But it does have some competition with the previous games talked about. But this is the game to beat this year. I don't know. I think Werewolf... No, shut up. This is the game to beat this year. Shut up. Okay? Kratos <laughs> literally had a, like, dual, like, standoff with Thor at the very end of the God of War. Thor was like, mm, draw, sonny. With it Mjolnir. And Kratos was just sitting there, you know, looking like he had shoulders and shit from Civil War and World War II and all his life. And he's like, come at me, bitch. Ready to protect his son. You know, so I think this is going to be an amazing game. You can't tell me it's not going to be. I People will be like, well, what about Cyberpunk? Fuck Cyberpunk. This is it, okay? <laughs> well, didn't Cyberpunk... There's no doubt in this game. What'd you say? I was about to say, well, didn't Cyberpunk come out in 2020? But then I remember the technical game cycle would include it, even though it did. So that's my bad. Yeah, we didn't talk about Starbucks. It came out in 2020. But I just mean for right. game yeah, I yeah. Not the awards, the cycle's not the full year. Yeah, uh Cyberpunk won't win game of the year. Um this game could come out two days before the game awards or game whatever it's called, and it could win game of the year. It could come out a day, come out six hours before it. I think it has that potential. I don't because, think it will suck, but if it does i'm gonna laugh so hard <laughs> there is there is one man i have faith in faith in when it comes to video game and that's cory cory barlog i mean mm, he knows what he's doing anyways when he was writing with his team of writers or whatever he has going on over there he was writing you know the reboot for god of war and as they were writing he goes whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. hold up we're writing the second game 
let's take it back. Let's write the first game. So I don't know if he just got rid of that or if he set it off to the side and said, we'll save that for later. Let's make the baby first. Then we're going to make the adolescence, you know, he's going to have some problems, right? He's just going to be so angry, and he's going to start on his rampage again. And at the very end, we'll have that full-grown adult now of Kratos, all right? So I'm ready for not only Kratos to go ape shit on some Norse gods, I'm ready for Atreus or Loki, whatever you want to call him, to get that rage in himself and show it out. I am ready for Freya to get her teeth knocked in by Kratos. She seemed angry at the end, of the, and Kratos was like, okay, come at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you can't tell, I'm excited. No, you don't seem excited at all. This is going to be your least favorite game of the year. Yeah, um, as soon as Cyberpunk came out, I told people, don't talk to me, I'm waiting for God of War. I knew it was a year ahead. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's called Ragnarok just means that some some shit's going to happen to the Norse gods. So, yeah. Um, at the very not the very end, it may be the very end. Um, of God of War, Thimble Winter is like the long winter before Ragnarok, and uh, the killing of Baldir is the first sign of Ragnarok as well. So it kind of led into it. So a lot of people were thinking. Oh, Ragnarok's coming. It, it makes sense, and that's how the actual North mythology, Norse mythology is. So it it's makes like, a lot of sense for it to be called that. Um, it hasn't had an official title, per se, but the like 30-second trailer that they posted at the PlayStation 5 event, which gave me chills... It was 30 seconds. All it was was a symbol and Kratos talking, and it gave me chills. You can't do that many times. Hey, it might have been the only time that you could have done that, but God of War did it. <laughs> so, I'm yeah. sorry. I Go ahead. I can't really comment much on either game you just said just because I'm an, I'm an Xbox shill, so kind of haven't played either, but I know they both are great, and I know you love them. So Yes, uh, get a PlayStation just for this game. Um, in the teaser trailer, uh, it says Ragnarok is coming. So that's where the whole idea of God of War Ragnarok has come. Um, and it's supposed to be coming in 2021. I think it will come out this year. And I think it will be the game that kids are wanting. Well, maybe not kids. It's a little bit violent. <laughs> oh, so kids will definitely want it. Yeah, I mean, I think people are going to want it for Christmas. I think people are going to want to get it the day it comes out, two weeks before it comes out, eight months before it comes out like I am right now. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be great. And I, I, I don't say that often. I hardly yeah, <laughs> the only other thing that could potentially have you this excited would be if there was like a Witcher 4. Yeah. Um, Cyberpunk was probably like I had that glimpse and then they started delaying it and it went away. Uh, <laughs> that is the biggest thing I think can go wrong for God of War is a delay. If they push it into 2022, I will be crushed just a little bit. Um, 
but I don't think they will. I'm hoping for you, buddy. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm not crossing him because it's Kratos and he gets shit done. <laughs> yeah. Once again, if it gets pushed to 2022, I'm a laugh. <laughs> you won't be laughing. I'll be playing God of War. It'll be fun. I'll eat milk and cookies while you can eat your non dual shock, whatever Xbox Series Sex controller it is. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, so is that the end of your list? Yes, that is the end of my list. So I have two more on my list um, that I just wanted to cover real quick. The first one is the Evil Dead video game, which we got the reveal trailer at last year's Game Awards in December. Um, it just says 2021. It's going to come out on all the consoles, current and next gen, um, as well as probably like PC. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I know it comes out on the PlayStation and Xbox. Um, and this one has me super excited because, once again, fan of horror games, also fan of horror movies, and I absolutely love the Evil Dead franchise. I'm super excited for this game, um, especially given that uh, last, I think it was November, the servers officially shut down for Friday the 13th. Of course, with all the legal battle that's going on in with those Friday the 13th rights, the game was doomed from the start, and it had the potential to just blossom and be great for years and sadly it didn't and in it the evil dead game looks to be the same kind of thing or like in very similar fashion in that it'll just be a like online co-op experience and uh the joy of it will be all of the cameos and easter eggs and uh stuff that you can unlock that will make fans of the uh, the series really invested in it you know getting the certain stuff that will just make you be like, oh my God, I remember that from this scene, whatever. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to say about that one, Connor? I'm still thinking about God of War. <laughs> All right, understood. Um, so uh, my last one that I wanted to talk about is actually a game that was supposed to come out in 2021, but was removed. And I felt like it was worth discussing the removal. So for the past decade, every two years, we get a new NetherRealm uh, fighting game. It's been alternating between Mortal Kombat and Injustice, and uh, in 2019, we got MK11. So uh, because of the next-gen release, they essentially decided to give us DLC, like extended story, instead of a full-on new game. And they said that we're at least not going to get a new game until 2022 instead of 2021, which has a lot of people theorizing, what could it be? Uh, for those who have played Mortal Kombat 11, you'll know what I'm talking about, but it essentially ends the story. And so they can really go anywhere with that if they decide to. Uh, a lot of people theorize that to stick with the alternation uh, that they've been doing or the alternating, I don't even know if alternation is a real word, <laughs> what they've been doing. Uh, they would make Injustice 3, but once again, for people who have played Injustice 2, while they can probably conjure up a story, there really isn't one to be had. Uh, even Injustice 2 was pretty much a far-fetched story. Uh, not that it wasn't a good game, but the story, you know, what the it, they just kind of made it. Um, so the question becomes, well, what will the next game be? And I just want to personally say that my theory is uh, when Injustice 2 was still the game, uh, they said, had a community poll, which game do you want next? Mortal Kombat 11 or a horror movie fighting game? Because 
people who've been playing the games, they know that they always get the rights to DLC fighters. And a lot of them have been from horror movie franchises. Ed Boon is a big horror movie fan. And uh, he basically should be able to strike deals with the majority of the companies to get their characters to be used in a horror movie video game. So uh, that any poll happened, MK11, of course, won. But it won like 51% to 49%. So he said, we understand. We know that you want a horror movie fighting game. So we will eventually deliver on that. I'm really hoping that the 2022 game is them delivering on that. I was hoping it would be the one that was scheduled for 2021, but they basically just moved it straight from the slate. So there's my little rant on that. And yeah, I just, that's for, for everybody who was expecting the 2021 uh, NetherRealm game and had no idea that it got removed, it did. Yeah, I mean, you know what game won't get removed in 2021? That's God of War, boy. Uh, everybody listening, like, please remove God of War. I just want to see Connor rage. <laughs> Listen, I love how Xbox is like, we have the superior console, and then Crash goes, boy. <laughs> we have the medium. <laughs> <laughs> Kratos sends people to the medium. <laughs> no, I definitely... You I call us? Exactly. He's dead. I can agree that the the play, PlayStation just generally has better exclusives. Whenever I whenever I talk to people about which console you should get, like if I have a friend who doesn't game but they want to get a console, everybody says if you want a good console, get an Xbox. But if you want the exclusives, get PlayStation. Which I just find hilarious that like they recommend an Xbox, but then say, but PlayStation has better exclusives, so you should probably go PlayStation. Like <laughs> an Xbox is necessarily a better con. I mean, it probably has like maybe a little bit here and there, but overall, they're essentially the same. They really are. The if you look at the, st- the schematics on the Series X and the uh, PS5, Xbox literally decided to. I, you can say it's petty or whatever. Like it, I just find it hilarious. Everything inside of the Series X is just like. 0.1% better than the PS5 just so that they could say that it was like no one's going to get it just for like an extra 1 gig of of RAM or like whatever it is like I was looking at the schematics just for shits and giggles literally everything is just like one number better and I just find that so funny cuz it's not going to change anything everybody's going to get a PlayStation yeah uh they'll also get God of War so this has been the God of War podcast um thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs> yes uh thank you all so much for listening please like and subscribe and down in the comments below let us know what your most anticipated game for 2021 is it's right. not god of war i'm coming over there and killing you not really that's a little aggressive i'm sorry i love you <laughs> all right bye y'all see you next week bye